This is the official Caps Shirt Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and we are here with you on another Thursday episode where we have an incredible guest, Neil Villapiano, the host of the Devil State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. As you know, if you're an OG, that we are always doing you know some sort of interview or pontificating on a certain specialized subject on Thursday. Uh, I've been lucky this season. We've been doing a lot of interviews, so you'll be getting a lot of that. Um, and on Mondays, we generally talk about, uh, you know, just kind of uh, league news and weekend review for the Washington Capitals. But, <clears throat> you know, if you're if you're new here, we hope you like it. If you're an OG, love you, mean it. Uh, we're on all platforms here at the, at the official Capster podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you like us, you know, please rate us five stars only. That would be amazing. Uh, but for now, let's pop some tabs. I'm really excited to get Neil on uh, and, and talk talk to him about everything. One, two, three. All right, adding to the stream now, Neil Villapiano of the Devil State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast uh, Network, content creator extraordinaire, author, all sorts of shit, man. Neil, how have you been? Uh, you know, Troll, I'm, first and foremost, I'm just pumped to be back on the Caps Chirp podcast. It's been a long time. It's the last time I was on here, and uh, I'm just excited to be here. And it's pretty nice to be looking up, well, not even really looking up, looking down at everyone else in the Metropolitan Division for at least a day or two. And uh, I kind of now understand what it, what it's like for a lot of Caps fans for years looking down on everyone else. So it's kind of a nice feeling. But, you yeah, know, I'm doing well. Uh, Devil State of Mind is rocking and rolling, and uh, we're pretty popular right now considering the success of the team. And as far Absolutely. as myself, you know, man, I'm just – I'm grinding every day, continuing to build my career. I'm actually heading to uh, Puerto Rico on Tuesday, so I'll have a little vacation, but I'll nice. still be working. I still cover the team work regardless of where I'm at, but yeah. I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, you are now refresh my memory. You're doing content and, and sports and stuff and, and all this stuff full time now, right? Yeah. So basically, you know, devil state of mind and work with the hockey podcast network is basically my full time job at the moment. You know, I grind every day. I'm on social media basically every day on Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. And, you know, I'm just continuing to make the Devil State of Mind podcast one of the most listened to, not just Devil's podcast, one of the most listened to uh, hockey podcasts out there. And, uh, you know, we've had some really, really great people on the podcast, some very well-known names continuing to get people on. And I'm also just covering a lot more hockey. So I'm doing AHL coverage, ECHL, and even the uh, Professional uh, Hockey Federation or the uh, the former NWHL as well. Nice. So yeah, keep, I'm keeping myself really busy. And uh, I always look at it like you can never have too much hockey in your life. Yeah, absolutely, man. Good stuff. I'm glad to hear it. That's so awesome. Um, and thank obviously, you. thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to you know grace us with your presence as always. You know, well, um, of course, it's my pleasure. <laughs> so, dude, um, yeah, I mean, first off, I, I just want to get this out there. Preseason, <laughs> early on this this season, you know, we're on episode ten, yeah. so like episode like three or something, one or two or whatever. Um, I was or. No, no, no. This might have been just a, a few weeks ago. I was talking to the uh, Tip the Iceberg boys who are now with Sports Illustrated doing uh, what fan nation shit. Um, and <laughs> I was like, bro, I don't think you can sleep on New Jersey this year. Like, I, I'm scared of them. They've always had like steal. A bit. They could mm-hmm. always upset you. Right. They always had that ability. But mm-hmm. this year, I think it's a little bit different. I think that their young guys are starting to really come into their own and they made some insane additions, you know, like, come on, Andre Palat, bro. Like that guy's a stud. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, what's your vibe on it? I mean, I'm, did you know, were you amongst that same mindset coming into the season? You know, I looked at it honestly and truly troll, and I said to myself, this has to be the year the team finally takes that step. I mean, yeah. we've had so many years where we thought that this would be the year where we'd be competitive and we'd be able to compete to get into the playoffs. And for whatever reason, you know, amount of goalie injuries, coaching, you know, crazy stuff, just continue to derail this team. Injuries in particular to even our main guys. 
And this year, it finally feels like everything is starting to come together. You know, for the most part, we're healthy. Obviously, you know, Palat's out long term, which is unfortunate. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood might be out uh, long term as well. But this team keeps rolling. You know, the offense is clicking. Jesper Brad is arguably the best player in the NHL, and you can't tell me otherwise. Um <laughs> Jack Hughes hasn't even broken out yet, which is a scary thing for the rest of the league, that he's not even really the one carrying the team. It's guys like Brad. It's guys like Nico Heischer. It's different guys like that. Hell, even our fourth line, the BMW line of Nate Bastion, Miles Wood, and Michael McLeod, all those guys are contributing night in and night out. And then we got your boy Vitek Vanacek, who continues to be playing very strong in net, has had some really good games, including shutting out the defending Stanley Cup champions a week ago, week we can change ago, um, Colorado Avalanche. So, you know, did I expect to be competitive and to have success? Yes. Did I expect us to be 9-3-0 and at the time of this recording? No, I honestly <laughs> didn't. Um, they have surprised even myself. And I think they've surprised everybody in Devil's Nation, but certainly in a positive way. That at the end of the day, we've been down this road before where the team gets off to a hot start. About a year ago at this time, we were 7-3-2. and and what happened? We finished at the end, at the bottom of the NHL. Um, right. So a lot can happen. We still have seventy some odd games left to go in the season. So a lot could change between now and even a month from now. Hell, a lot could change from the time you guys listen to this episode. <laughs> so you know, I, I think it's just one of those things where you are cautiously optimistic, but you're just enjoying it because you're finally, as a Devils fan, getting to watch this team play up to its capability. We're averaging forty plus shots a night. We are, you know, dominating puck possession. We are using our speed and our agility to just get around defenders. And then we have some of the strongest defenders in the game. Again, shout out to the Capitals. We have Jonas Siegenthaler, who might arguably be one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL right now, the way that he's been playing. Dougie Hamilton has has honestly been as advertised. He's been tremendous. You know, Ryan Graves has been playing well. And then we got John Marino from the Penguins for... Literally nothing. I mean, no disrespect to Ty Smith, but the dude hasn't even played in the NHL this season. He's been down in the minors all year. John Marino goes up against some of the best players in the NHL. Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen. He's got up against Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Laine, and he just went up against Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Now, granted, they both scored on us, but at the same time, when push came to shove and we needed to stop and you know prevent the, uh, the Oilers from tying the game up at four, he got the job done. So... And we got him down long term, and that's not even the contract that we signed him to. So at the end of the day, this team is finally taking the step that it needs to take. Now, can they keep it up? That's the hope that we have. And we just got to see how things progress as we move along here. Absolutely. And, and to review, you are on a, is it a six-game heater right now? We are currently on a six-game winning streak If you got at the time of this uh, time we're talking. On Sunday, right and we, we record on Sunday. So... Mm-hmm. You know, your goal differential, and so the Metro is a little bit weird right now. Little goal bit. differential <laughs> is a plus 13, which far exceeds everybody else in the division right now. You know, but in the third uh, playoff spot, you have the Rangers at a negative three. You know, we're all over the place. Washington's at a negative three. The Islanders are at a plus 11, but they're outside looking in. Uh, you know, you got Philly even. We all knew Philly was mm-hmm. going to take a shit at some point. Uh, you got, you got fucking the other Pennsylvania team, fucking Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. minus two, you know, they're damn near the bottom of the entire conference. Um, the Metro is 100% being shooken up. And I always say that the Metro year in and year out is one of the most competitive divisions in hockey. You know, we've got four, sometimes five, sometimes fucking like six playoff teams in this division. Um, and it's always a dog fight in the division. So like, you know, you look at all these other divisions that maybe have like two or three locks and the, and the rest mm-hmm. of it's kind of up for, up for uh, grabs. But yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've got to give it to the, uh, to the devils. They've really, really piled it on. And, and it looks like you're right that they are taking that next step. And I mean, I think that's good for hockey. Obviously it's not good for the Washington capitals right now. Um, <laughs> but I, I honestly just can't hate the, the devils. And, and I think that when they, you know, started getting all this young talent, you know, the the stomped on trope for the Devils was they were just like a boring team to watch. They played the trap. They were a dump and chase team. They, you yeah. know, Broder era kind of hockey. Right? right. But now they're an incredibly exciting team to watch. They have a lot of different wrinkles on the offensive side and they're a speedy, fast team. Right. I mean, would you agree with that? Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at where this team was about, you know, six, seven years ago to where we are now, we have completely adapted to the way the NHL game is nowadays. It's about speed. It's about quickness. It's about agility. It's about pushing the pace in the offensive zone. And that's what Tom Fitzgerald, our general manager, has decided to build this team. And hats off to him. He's continued to make really good moves, signing guys to long-term deals that are very, very team-friendly, which you got to give him a lot of credit for. You know, just making different things like that. And, you know, the funny thing about it is that if you go back to when the Devils played the Capitals a couple weeks ago and the, the Capitals basically just kicked the shit out of the Devils. I mean, they really did. It was competitive until the Devils started turning over the puck and we ended up just getting absolutely buried at home. But from that point on, we really, really took it upon ourselves to not only are we going to score at a consistent basis, but we're going to block shots. We're going to create a lot of problems. And as you can see from the stats, we're one of the top two, if not still, you know, giving up the fewest shots per game in the league right now at about 22%. 22 shots a game. I mean, we really have locked it down in many ways. And I think you're finally starting to see what a team with Lindy Ruff's system that fully gets it um, can do. And you're seeing the offense that you saw when he was in Dallas and even to an extent in his tenure when he was in Buffalo. Now you're seeing it at a completely different level with a lot more speed, a lot more talent, a lot more youth that is being implemented into this. And so, you know, look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The Metropolitan Division is the division of death. It really is because you have to go through so many tough teams. And we mentioned Washington. We mentioned Pittsburgh. We mentioned these teams because we keep thinking that one one of these years it's finally going to stop and, you know, some of the younger teams are going to take over. And they just keep coming at you in waves. You know, I look at Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're, you know, they're muddling around right now. But I wouldn't count out Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and those guys because at some point they're probably going to get it going. Same thing with the Capitals. When the Devils played the Capitals, they weren't at full strength. There was no Nick Backstrom. There was no Tom Wilson, thank God. You know, there was <laughs> they, they weren't at full strength when they played the Devils. And they still found a way to win because they have a really good coach in Peter LaViolette. And they have a system in place. And also, it doesn't hurt to have arguably this generation's, well, not even arguably, but certainly this generation's greatest goal scorer and the guy who's probably going to end up being the greatest goal scorer of all time in Alexander Ovechkin. And then you have you have the Rangers who are you know, a pain in the ass because they, they don't believe in having a backup goaltender for some reason and <laughs> want to run Shesterkin until his legs fall off him and they don't score, which is to be expected. And then the Islanders, I mean, right now it's it's quite remarkable that they have a plus 11 goal differential, yet they're struggling to get points. And I know right. in their last game against Detroit um, did not end up going that well. And the Flyers, ladies and gentlemen, the Flyers are going to fall off in about a month. So yeah. give it time. It's right. a John Tortorella team especially in this generation, the guys are going to tune him out after a while. It's not going to be like this long term. I can promise you that. And then you have Carolina, who obviously is a cup contender and certainly going to be a top contender for this division. It's going to be one of those deals where the Devils have to keep pace. This is the only way that they're going to make the playoffs. They have to keep pace because even in the Atlantic division, you have several tremendous teams that are buying even for one of those wildcard spots. Yep. So the Devils can't just look at this and say, all right, we've done we've done what we are supposed to get off to a good start. Now we can kind of go up and down. You can't. Not in this division. You just can't. And right. you have to start winning your division games as well. So coming up, again, we haven't played that many divisional games up until this point, but we have to start winning the games that we need, that we are supposed to win. So we got Calgary, we have Ottawa, and we have Arizona this upcoming week. You should at least get two out of three games out of that. You should get two out of three wins. You should have double-digit wins by the time the end of this week comes up. And you need to be prepared once you get into those divisional games because it is important. Because that's really what's going to separate this team from the last decade of are we for real or are we just, you know, are we just going to fade like we normally do once we get to the second half of the season? So, again... You're costly optimistic, but you're enjoying the ride as much as possible because this is a lot of fun hockey to watch. Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on on Lindy Ruff. Like, okay, when when that hire came out, do you remember me chirping you on Slack, on the on the network Slack? Yes. I was, I was yes, like, you were one of the millions of people that gave me shit for it. I was like, bro, like, what, do you, what the fuck is, is Lindy doing? Like, he's... He's basically a zombie behind the bench. You know, he's so old and like, you know, he's antiquated and, you know, he's, he He still is very old in case anybody didn't (laughs) realize that he's still incredibly old, but, uh, you know, but not much has changed there. He's, he's completely turned it around and 
you know, I thought I asked you, I was like, yo, do you think, cause you know how the NHL goes, right? It's of course. okay. You're the, the development coach for the young guys, maybe he's a player coach. He gets the guy's mm-hmm. confidence up. And then when you're really trying to win, you bring in a heavy hitter. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you were like, kind of from the get go, like, I'm happy with it either way. And I was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> but now you are here. Now you're here, like, you know, shoving it up my hoop on this. You know, what? what's your take on, on how Lindy's been? Because it's been, this is like, what, his third year there? This is his third year. He was hired in 2020. And this is the final year of his contract. So here's the deal with Lindy Ruff. And I've said it before. Um, Lindy Ruff was brought in to basically establish the core of this team and develop the core. And that's what he's done. We know what the core is. Jack Hughes, Jesper Brad, Nico Heischer, Dougie Hamilton, um, and potentially Vitek Vanacek if he continues to play the play the way that he's playing. He has a over 900 save percentage, which the fact that we have any goal there with an over 900 save percentage is a gift from the hockey gods. It's, it's actually incredible that we have to ask for the bare minimum, but we're getting it. Um, but Lindy Ruff, I mean, look, here's the deal, Troll. If you go back, to the home opener against Detroit. And I was there and we're getting shellacked by the Red Wings. You heard very clearly, you could hear it very clearly that the entire crowd was chanting fire Lindy. We wanted him out because it really looked like at that point, right then and there that we are going to have another really rough, annoying, you know, not, you know, no pun intended, really rough season with (laughs) Lindy behind the bench again. And we hired Andrew Burnett as an associate coach, not as an assistant, an associate coach, which right. is pretty much terms for this guy will probably be the next head coach of this team at some point. Um, and Lee Ruff has really blocked out whatever I've said and whatever any Devils fan has said and has gotten this team to finally listen to what he's trying to preach. And the team is jumping, is jumping on it and getting themselves going. And the biggest defender of Lindy Ruff out of everybody has been Jack Hughes, which is the most shocking thing of all. When he was constantly saying during the offseason, it's not Ruff's fault that we failed. We failed him. And not not a single Devils fan agreed with that. We thought, well, Jack Hughes is still young, and he's had John Hines and Lindy Ruff as his head coaches. Like, how much does he really know what a good head coach is? But you look at the way the Devils are playing right now, and you say, well, obviously you're not going to fire Lindy Ruff right now. Like, why would you? The guys are playing great. But I will, I will say this is, is, cause I still believe this firmly. Unless the Devils make it all the way to the cup final this year, I don't see Lindy Ruff coming back because I think most likely one of two things will happen. One, he will probably be elevated to a different role within the organization, maybe as an advisor or an assistant to the general manager potentially, or because of the fact that he's nearly pushing his eighties. He will probably retire because he's been in the NHL for over 30 years. Yeah. And at some point you gotta you gotta hang it up. Um, and maybe Lindy Rupp just wants to try to have one last hurrah, you know, try to have like one more meaningful season of hockey. And, you know, it's one of those things where we I appreciate the way he's been coaching right now. He hasn't really moved any of the lines. He's not doing anything. He's basically going like this. I'm going to stick with what has been working and I will change it once it's not working. So an example again is when we were doing uh, the 11 by seven formation, 11 forward, seven defensemen. And we got the crap kicked out of us by the Capitals and we immediately changed uh, the system again. And we got back to playing successful hockey. We went back to 12, six and we haven't touched it since. And we don't plan on touching it until it stops working. And that's what Lindy Ruff's just trying to do. He is trying to put the team in the best possible position to succeed night in and night out. And I haven't really had a reason to complain about him for the last couple of weeks because the team has been playing well and been able to do the things that they need to do. So as far as Lindy Ruff is concerned, you know, I don't really want any sort of praise for being right because I'm not even really being right because we haven't made the playoffs since he got here. And we're only... 12 games at the time of this recording, 12 games into the season. We got a long season to go before we could start talking about Lindy Ruff this, Lindy Ruff that. I know people are already saying he's uh, he's the leading candidate for the coach of the year. I don't even want to get into all this <laughs> stuff until we're much later into the season. Until we're like 60 plus games in and say, okay, now I know where we are. I know where it's going to go, yada, yada, yada. 
But I will say right now, I'm happy with the lay, with the way Ruff, you know, bounced back from those first two games and has really gotten this team to play really, really sound and exciting hockey that ultimately has led us to a 9-3-0 record and a six-game winning streak. Yeah, and, and you know, I think t- you really can't. So Lindy Ruff has no cup, but he was at one point the longest tenured coach in a industry that turns over coaches on average every two and a half years for every team. Um, the NHL coaching gig is the most precarious professional co- coaching gig of any sports at all. Like, I mean, it's, it's, that's a very short term, um, yeah. you know, cause talent is so expensive. You're not going to, you're not going to rebuild based upon a coach's desire. Um, especially right. one that's never won a cup, but to, to, you can't really discount his accomplishments to stay with Buffalo for so long. And you got to remember when he left Buffalo, Obviously, Buffalo was very, very bad, um, and they've only gotten really worse since he's left. And mm-hmm. but, but he was well loved. I mean, you know, we're talking like Dominic Hasek days. He was there in his in yes. Hasek's prime. You know, so uh, he knows you know what to do. Like he he's 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 got a um, he's got a good he's got a good uh, uh, resume, no doubt. Right. Uh, so we're getting chirped. Dave Aikman said, "Neil, Dave. did you did you chant fire Lindy during the Wings game?" You know, I personally didn't, but I was amazed at how loud it was when I'm sitting down on the ice level and hearing it throughout throughout the Prudential Center. It was it was very loud, and um, <laughs> it's funny now that we still chant fire Lindy, but more as a joke because of the way that we've been playing. You know, people have said, I mean, there was one statistic that one of our reporters put out that says, oh, the Devils have won eight of their last nine since Fire Lindy became a thing. Um, (laughs) And so it's just kind of like one of those funny things. Uh, You know, (laughs) I have asked for Lindy Ruff to be fired before, like even during last season. I felt that during the offseason of this year that it was just time to make a change, that they had to do something. And, uh, you know, I'll give Fitzgerald a lot of credit that um, he stuck by his coach. I mean, again, for Fitzgerald, this is his guy. This is the first guy that Lindy, that Fitzgerald has hired as head coach since he took over as GM and he's going to ride him out. And that's fine, especially if this is the last year that he's going to be here. And if we do make the playoffs and we do take that step, great. And you did hire, um, you know, Andrew Burnett, who is a friend of Tom Fitzgerald. They played together in the NHL. And so this is definitely one of those things where it does feel like that we are, you know, shifting to that point at some point. But right now, Lindy Ruff has done as good of a job as anybody could do with this team right now and is a big reason that we're in the position that we're in. Do you have any idea like what Burnett's role is? So he was uh, he was with Florida last year, right? Correct. He was uh, he was the assistant coach uh, under. uh, Oh, what was his name? His name escaped me all of a sudden. He got. He was part of the Blackhawks. Uh, Joel Quenville. Yeah. And then Quenville had to resign because of the whole uh, situation last year. And then he took over as interim coach. They ended up having over 100 points. Their power play was number one in the NHL. Did a really good job. And then for some reason, I cannot explain it, Florida didn't even try to keep him. They said, right. oh, well, we'll keep you in the organization. We're, we're just going to hire Paul Maurice as our head coach. Yeah. And – I think what what Tom Fitzgerald did was the second he got the opportunity to speak to Burnett, he said, look, here's the deal. There's a good chance that Lindy Ruff won't be here after this upcoming season. So we'll name you the associate coach. You'll be in charge of the power play and the offense, which is basically what Burnett is right. in charge of. And he's done a damn good job with the power play. It's gotten – it's so much better than it's been in years. Just been so much better. Just, just statistically, it's been better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a nice change from Mark Recchi the last couple of years. So I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but Burnett was hired as, as an associate coach, which, which we all know is basically the head coach, the co-head coach, basically like right. the guy who has a lot of say within the organization, a lot of say within, you know, how things are done. And he's a respected individual. The dude nearly won the Jack Adams award last year as an interim head coach. Right. So the Devils clearly jumped on the opportunity to get a guy like this that they could probably easily move into being the head coach if they want to do that at some point. And he signed here for three or four years. 
So he's not gotcha. going anywhere unless he obviously gets a head coaching job somewhere else and he wants to go there, which I perfectly understand. Although personally, with the way he's been coaching, I would like him to stay here. And I hope he does. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that's really where Burnett's uh, – that's where he is right now um, with regards to the Devils coaching. Interesting, interesting. Uh, well, I need to take a quick second to uh, to pay the bills a little bit. NFL Sundays <laughs> are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers of DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% – earn a – 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props and total points. And with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with use code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Awesome. So, Neil, I do have to ask, you know, obviously, you know, you've, you've reaped the benefits of the Washington Capitals throwaways, if you will, uh, you know, and look, Jonas Siegenthaler, I mean, Cap's Twitter is so pissed that he's doing so well, uh, you know, but that was just a, that was a, I, I don't disagree with that move. You know, he just didn't have, we didn't have room for him. You know, we've got John Carlson. Yeah. Orlov, we talked you know. about it, troll. We talked yeah. about it when the supplier said straight up, we wanted to keep him, but he, he can't, he doesn't fit on this team. And that was when Char was still playing yeah. And there was just no room for him to play. And you didn't want to send him down to the AHL because there was no points. And the Devils was just one of those situations where the Devils saw an opportunity. We needed an upgrade on defense. And that's what we got. Yeah. And the dude's been obviously awesome for you. So that's there's that. Um, and then VTech. So I will tell you, Polly and I, when Polly was on last year, we were 100% behind VTech Vanacek. We thought he was the more steady goalie. You know, mm -hmm. okay, he's got rebound issues. We know that, but technically he's sound. He's going to make that first save generally. He's not one for the leaky goal. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he might get one banged in on a rebound and, and stuff like that. But uh, we thought he was more of a good team guy. And as the Washington Capitals goaltending goes, you have to steal the net to start in D.C., this year, Kemper has been doing an incredible job despite the poor results on the win-loss column uh, so far. Mm -hmm. I'm super happy with him. Uh, you know, having that two-headed goalie tandem that's so young, as you know, <laughs> is yeah. is really tough. You know, they they take a lot of development to to get used to it, and it's a lot of pressure yeah. in that position. But you know, yes. you said that uh, Mackenzie Blackwood's possibly injured long term. Uh, I didn't he know did, that. Uh, he did potentially injure his groin in the win against the Oilers. Um, Lindy Ruff said that he would, uh, that, that Blackwood would see doctors on Tuesday. So by the time you guys hear this episode, there probably will be more of an idea as to what it is. But it it probably isn't good considering he had to be carried off the ice. And so, it's a, yeah, it's a groin. You know, that's the worst. You know, that's always the thing. It's your whole livelihood. Goalies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. So, you know, what's your thoughts on, on old VTech there, man? Of his performances, uh, you said he got a shutout already. I mean, how? Yep. what's your vibe? You know, I it, it's very safe to say that VTech Vanacek is our number one goaltender. And that's not just because – and that's certainly not because Blackwood got hurt against Edmonton. It's just the fact that he has played – he's just been stronger and a little bit more consistent than Blackwood has been. You know, Vanacek had that bad game against the Red Wings on the home opener, gave up five goals, did not look good. But since that point, he has been tremendous. He has gotten some very big wins. And like I mentioned, he got a shutout against the defending Stanley Cup champions at home. That's a big deal for him to get to get himself going. He needed oh, yeah. that type of win, and that's what he got. And he, you know, he wasn't, you know, you look at the game against Edmonton. He comes in and gives up a power play goal right away, but he's cold. So you can't really knock on him. What does he do? He stops 18 of the 19 shots that he faces, does not allow Edmonton to get back in the game, and they all and the Devils ultimately come back from down two goals to win that game. And he made several cross-crease diving saves that were tremendous that we have not been getting for the last several years when it comes to goaltending. Very, very big. 
So the way that I look at it from VTech's perspective, he comes in as a very, very motivated goaltender, a guy that people are looking at and saying, is he a number one? Is he not? You know, what type of goaltender are we getting here? And the Devils basically took a chance on romance, as I would say, and said, we're going to rock with VTech. And they signed him to a three-year deal, which I think is reasonable yeah. for considering who he is, what he has done so far in the NHL, and what the Devils expect him to be, especially when you have young goaltenders like Nick Oz and Akira Schmid waiting in the wings, potentially. You want to lock this guy down. We had to because he was an R- he, I believe he was an RFA when the Devils yeah. traded for him. It's so he didn't deal. have a contract. Right. So when the Devils traded for him, it was kind of an interesting uh, reaction. Like none of us really thought it was a bad move, but also a lot of us were wondering, we're, we're saying to ourselves, is this the right move? And I looked at it and said, look, the goalie market in free agency was very, very, you know, slim. There was just nothing there. So in my, I knew that the only way the Devils could probably get a goaltender was to have to make a trade. It was just a matter of who were they going to make a trade with. And it surprised me that Ilya Samsonov was basically let go and then Washington was so willing to trade away VTech. And I remember some Capitals fans being very confused and saying, okay, so then who is our goaltenders now? Because we've just gotten rid of right. both of them. And yeah. I, I mean, I there was one Capitals fan. She's like a VTech, like she might be VTech's like number one fan. She was absolutely heartbroken that the Capitals traded VTech to New Jersey. Sure. Not because she went, he went to New Jersey, but just because the fact that he's gone. Right. And I DM this I DM this fan and I said, "What can you tell me about Vitek?" And her simple, you know, description was, "He will make the save when you need he'll make the big save when you need him to, and he's a team first guy like you mentioned, Troll. Yeah, this no guy doubt. cares about winning and winning with this team. Oh, yeah. Whatever team he's on. And he's a good locker room guy. Like Ovechkin has said a lot of great things about Vitek. Everybody loves Vitek. And so he comes here and everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. He he struggles to speak English, which is fine. It's not a big deal. But, you know, he, he does a great job of what he needs to do. And so, so far, I've really liked the way that he plays. And he's giving us something that Devils fans have not gotten in a while. And that's confidence in somebody in net every game. That's what we asked. That's right. what we're hoping. That's what we wanted. And we're not, we don't want, we're not asking VTEC to go win the Vesna. We're just asking him to be solid. As we've, I mean, you could read every single article that has previewed the Devils this year. And what is the one thing they all say? If the Devils get half decent or average goaltending, they're probably getting in the playoffs. And so far, we've gotten a little more than average goaltending from both VTech and Mackenzie Blackwood prior to him getting hurt. Now we're in first place for now in the Metropolitan Division and on a six game winning streak. So VTech is one of the guys that we needed and we're going to need him. You know, for not just this year, but moving forward. And I've, I've liked what I've seen so far. And I'm excited for him to continue to grow and get better as a goaltender and ultimately helping us win these games. Yeah, I definitely uh, thought that Samsonov had a higher upside. But as of like here and now, I thought Vitek was the mm-hmm. better goalie. Um, and I think that every I mean, other Samsonov's GM... not doing all that well in... Uh, Toronto anyway so I mean it's right and he's he's out with a knee injury right now so he could be out long term so the thing is is that um in the here and now I thought VTech was a better goalie I didn't think there was much ego involved and um yeah Caps fans were definitely devastated we were upset um because this is a homegrown guy we drafted him he played in Hershey you know this is uh this is a DC born and bred guy like in the for the NHL um, mm-hmm. obviously not literally, but, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad to hear that our baby boy is doing good, you know, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and you, he's you just good don't hands. want him to do well if we face uh, the Capitals. Exactly. I'm still surprised that Lindy Ruff went with, uh, went with Blackwood instead of VTech the first time we played the Capitals. I was like, you know, it would make a lot of sense for motivation for VTech to want to come in and it's like, oh, I get to face my former team. Maybe right. they're going to wait till we go to DC. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I don't think VTech feels hurt that he got moved. I think he understands the business. Yeah. And he talked about when he got here that he was excited for the chance to be a number one. I right. think that's what he really was excited about. That he got to, he comes to a team that really wanted him. 
and wants to give him the opportunities that he's been looking for. Not saying yeah. the Capitals were giving it to him, but I'm saying that like now, you know, with Blackwood being hurt, Lindy Ruff saying to Vitek, you're my guy. Right now, you're my guy. This right. is the opportunity you're looking for. You want to separate yourself from the back and be our number one goaltender? This is the time to do it. And so far, he has done very well. He came in relief and helped us beat Edmonton. And then he was, he was solid, you know, not tremendous, but he was solid enough against Calgary to ultimately get the win in overtime. And this upcoming week is going to be a big one for him as well. So, again, so far, really like what I've seen from him. And he's he's also just a really, really nice guy. He really is. Yeah, and I mean, you know, just some background on that is that I think that they gave Samsonov a pretty long leash, right? I mean, he got he got team mm-hmm. suspended for like missing meetings and shit and then was like still back in the lineup. Meanwhile, Vitek's over here like working his balls off and then, you know, gets he's like, "Oh, well, we're on equal level now. Like this is crazy." Like, you know, it seems right. like the team should, you know, is unhappy, but they're still going to give him a shot yeah. um if I have one bad game, right? Um, I do agree. Like he's a hundred percent for the team, for the winning. Um, you know, he's, he's just a, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things. I thought he was really a really surprising upstart for us. Um, and I do think that, you know, it's, it's tough being a goalie having to battle it out, especially in that situation where, you know, the caps obviously identified Samsonov as their golden boy and, Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many, I mean, you can see this across the league that never works out unless this, unless you're like some sort of crazy stud, basically like had like two losses in the AHL last year, like, you right. know, and that's very rare. Um, but you know, and, and it, it's crazy. It sucks to see him go to a division, uh, rival obviously, but at the same time, you know, you look at it and what the devils haven't had this type of solid goaltending since Broder. Well, probably that? at least Corey, if we're being honest, Corey oh, Schneider, Schneider, you know, yeah. about a decade ago. I mean, it's just because, again, I've said before with Corey, you know, prior to us starting to really rebuild, he was the only reason that people came to games. We were not scoring. We would score one or two goals a game and he would be tremendous. If you go from 13, 14 to about, um, you know, 16, 17, he was very rock solid. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. And VTech is the closest thing that we've gotten since then to being that. And I think that. You know, with us also averaging the least amount of shots given up, we're also giving our goaltender the, you know, the chance to make those saves when we really need him to. Sure. Because there's going to be times where we're going to, you know, lapse in judgment and we're going to end up making a mistake on defense and we're going to need a save and Vanacek comes through. And that's what we needed. I mean, he stopped Connor McDavid three times, you know, when he came in relief against one of the best players in the NHL. Right now, I mean, you're going up against McDavid and Drysaddle for you know at least 40 minutes. It's not an easy thing to do. For him to come in and make the saves that he did to help us come back and win that game, I mean, a job well done by him. And uh, so far, he seems to really love being in New Jersey. And he seems like he's really excited to be here, and he enjoys the fans, which is great, you know. And we enjoy him a lot. And he's already gotten VTech chance when he's you know been here in New Jersey, and. Uh, I'm sure the fans are going to give him a lot of love when the Devils are back home on Tuesday against Calgary um, after coming off this Western Canada road trip. And so, like I said, we're happy that we're getting some some really good goaltending and we're hoping that VTech can continue to provide that uh, moving forward. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> you know, I got to let's let's talk about the team at large, man. I mean, what what are you who what is is there a single player or maybe one or a line or, or whatever, um, you know, cause so as, as Ovechkin goes, so do the caps. Right. So like, right. and, or as, and, you know, as Kuznetsov, so for me, it'd be like Anthony Mantha and Kuznetsov. If they can, if they can perform at their peak performance, I think the caps are looking good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, TJ Oshi when he's healthy is out there. He's always, he's just so steady and solid. Um, right. You know, our young guys are a question mark. Our fourth line's good. Uh, the defense I thought was going to be good, but they've they've proven otherwise to this point. But I think they're starting to solidify under Lavulette's like system uh, now mm-hmm. in this sense. So, um, but I mean, like, is there something similar um, for the Devils? Jesper Bratt is the first player that comes to mind. Jesper Bratt has gotten points again at the time of this recording in eleven of the Devils' twelve games. He broke the Devils. 
Frank for most consecutive games with at least a point to start a season uh, with 11 straight. Um, at one point, he was the league leader in assists and one of the top point getters in the NHL. Now, obviously, he's still not at the level of guys like David Pasternak, Ovechkin, McDavid, Drysdale, guys like that. But he's still a phenomenal player who was a sixth-round pick in his draft year and has become one of the most talked-about players this year. I mean, the Brad Pack, and uh, as they uh, as they all <laughs> call themselves, which I'm a part of, and shout out to Brad Pack on Twitter. Um, he's growing strong. He's becoming uh, a, a sensation on social media and on the ice. And the way that he plays the game, you know, this team rocks and rolls. But the guy that this team follows is the captain, and that is Nico Heischer. I mean, this guy has been here throughout, throughout it all. He's been here all through the ups and downs. And he has struggled up to get back to even close to the point level that he was in his rookie year. And right. he really broke out last year, and he's doing a fantastic job this year. He's made several tremendous plays, and you know he's not a big goal scorer, but he's a guy that's going to dish out a lot of assists, and he's one of the best face-off guys statistically in the league right now. Sure, This guy has been phenomenal since the first game of the season, and it's just great to see our captain grow the way he's been growing. Um, you know, And Jack Hughes, again, I mentioned before, he's been good, but not at the level that everybody knows that he can get to like he did last year. Right. He's still he's still getting there. And now with Jesper Bratt taking over the attention of teams, that just means that Jack Hughes is going to get a lot more opportunities to really get himself going. And the great thing about the NHL is it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. So at any moment, Jack Hughes, whatever game it might be, could come out and start flying all over the place, flying all over the ice anyway, even if he's not scoring. He's still getting points. He's still contributing to the cause. So for him, it's just tremendous. And then you have a guy, a young guy like Fabian Zetterlin, who I knew was good back in 2019 when he was playing in the Rookie Showcase. I knew this kid had an attitude about him in a good way. I knew he was going to bring a lot to this team. And now that he's a full-time player, you know, he's gotten a couple of goals. He got the game winner against Calgary. He scored two goals in that game, and he's been tremendous on that third line. And he's bringing that energy that we need and that confidence that we, you know, we could beat anybody. And then you have that fourth line, the BMW line, like I mentioned. Nate Bastion, Michael McLeod, Miles Wood. These guys have been tremendous. You know, I don't know what's going on with Michael McLeod in Hockey Canada. You know, we're still waiting on that. So I, I will, you know, speak my mind about McLeod later on, whenever that comes out. Miles Wood, you know, he made that comment that everybody saw at the beginning of the year, said he was just so sick and tired of being a, sh of being a shitty hockey team. I mean, I'll... I'll Say it more clearly, he's sick and tired of being a shitty hockey team. And sure. he's taken it upon himself to get this team going. And he's gotten goals in each of his last two games, three goals in two games, really been physical, using his speed, gotten himself going. Nate Bastion, really, really good big body presence in front of the net on the power play, getting himself those goals. He's been tremendous. And I think just getting contributions from all four lines is what makes this team that dangerous. We're having guys on all four lines. So even that third line, when you have Dawson Mercer and Eric Halla, who we got in a trade for Pavel Zaka, he's one of the best face-off men in the NHL as well. I mean, yep. we're, we are a four-line team, which is what Lenny Ruff wants. And then as far as the defense is concerned, Jonas Siegenthaler, like I said before, he might be one of the top three best defensive defensemen in the NHL. He doesn't get a lot of points. When he scores, it must be a leap year because it just doesn't come very often. It really doesn't. But he's just so sturdy, so steady back there, blocking shots, getting, you know, getting pucks away from top players. He did it to McDavid at least twice where he just sweeped the puck away from him as he's going 100 miles per hour right at him. And then John Marino has been unbelievable with us. I mean, this guy, we knew this guy was good. We didn't know he was this good. I mean, he is contributed on the offensive side, but certainly on the defensive side, he's our go-to guy when it comes to locking down or at least slowing down other teams, top players. And that's what he's done. And so at the end of the day, you know, we're a team with depth. And I think that's the thing that you have to look at when you look at this devil's team. Are, are we talented? Yes. But do we have depth? We have depth on the team now and you look at our our, our um, prospect pool. We have one of the top three prospect pools right now in the NHL. And we're still, you know, doing this well. So depth is such an important thing with this team. And there's just so many guys. I could go on and on about every single player on this team and what they contribute to this team. 
But at the end of the day, it's a team effort. It really is. Sure. And we're playing the team game, and that's what makes the Devils so successful. Yeah, and you know what, man? Like all those names, like Heeshear, uh, Brett, um, uh, Hughes. I mean, how many first-round picks do you have? Well, let me let me narrow it down for you. How many first-round picks did, that you thought may be busts did you have on this team currently? Right, like because you know you're looking at those guys and you're like, okay, you know they're NHLers, but shit, it. it I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years you see him playing third line in Detroit, somewhere like away, kind of in obscurity, mm-hmm. making a, like a million and a half a year, you know, playing like a right. role versus what they were slated it to do. And that was be yeah. a franchise player. I mean, you have a handful, like a handful of those players are on your team. Is that correct? Well, the one guy that sticks out the most is Michael McLeod because Michael McLeod was in the same draft class as Mika Rantanen and uh, Matt Barzell, who were both taken after Michael McLeod. So that kind of shows you one of those things where <laughs> it sucks because you look at what you know Barzell and Rantanen have done. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it just, you know, Michael McLeod has figured out a role in this team and he does it very well. And we don't care that he's a former first round pick. It's the dude contributes to the team's success, which is what it's important. Jesper Boquist, about five years ago, um, was one of our top prospects. And you look at him now, and he plays on like a third line, and, you know, he contributes. To, uh, Pavel Zaka, we had him for seven years, Troll, right. and he didn't do anything. Zaka was a and big, I know people he was a guy. Him. Yeah, like he thought he was going to do something. It, was, it never happened. Exactly, and... The Devils tried literally everything to get him going. And the reality was is that it just was not going to work in New Jersey. And I know that he plays on the top line in Boston. But let's be real. At some point, his scoring touch is going to go away. And then the Bruins are going to get just as mad about him as we did for seven years. And I know Devils fans will want to say, why did we give up on Zaka? If it takes you seven years to figure out that a guy's not going to work in your team, then you have a problem. And right. that's the reality. It just wasn't going to work out in New Jersey. And yeah. that could be said for teams everywhere. Sure. It, every team has this problem. Look at what Vanacek has done coming to New Jersey. Right. So and Capitalists fans might say, why, yeah. why in the holy hell did we give up on Vanacek? They right. clearly didn't want to make it work. So yeah. now he gets an opportunity in New Jersey. So like this happens with every team. Everybody has these issues. Absolutely. You know, how Calgary gave up, you know, Calgary couldn't keep Goudreau and they traded Kachuk. Oh, they're great players, but it just wasn't going to work in Calgary. They had so many years to get it done. Last year was the best chance that they had with that core to get it done. And it didn't work. And the Flames made it pretty clear that if it wasn't going to happen that year, they were going to have to make changes. And they did. So it happens. So at the end of the day, we have guys that were former top picks. We have guys who are top picks that only now are starting to blossom. It happens. But you know, over time, when you get that many high picks, eventually things are going to click. And that's where we're at right now, that things are starting to click. Absolutely. Um, You know, unless you're Buffalo. And then, (laughs) so, and I, you know, I wish, I hope Cavs fans, you are listening and can take this with a grain of, you know, take this advice because the thing is that the only like 20% of first round draft picks play like over a hundred games in the NHL. That's how hard it is mm-hmm. to play in this fucking league. And that's the first round after you get out of the first round, it's a precipitous drop off. And then obviously we have studs like Jay Beagle who went undrafted that we just kind of like, you know, randomly fucking find, which happens as well. But the thing is, is that, you know, and and because I know there's a huge like following for like Connor McMichael on our team. And by all accounts in in juniors and in the AHL, he was good. Don't get me wrong. But that is a big step to be that good night in and night out and consist- find consistency mm-hmm. in your game, you know, things like that. Because I'm sure, Neil, with all of those players that we just talked about, previous years, five years ago, you saw games where they could take over, literally be a, a force to be reckoned with. But then the next 10 games, they were invisible or, you know, and it was just too inconsistent. That was Pablo Zaka in a nutshell. That was Zaka exactly. the whole time. He'd have one or two great games and then he'd disappear for 15 straight. Like, seriously. 
Yeah, and I mean, if you were a fantasy player and you were you were playing, if you were trading Zaka, you know, you had to time him right. You know, it was crazy. Um, and that was your that was your problem like two years ago. You <laughs> exactly. had him on your team and you didn't know what to do with them. I know, I know, and I was like, you know, fuck, do I keep him? Do I not? Because I know as soon as I trade him, and as soon as soon as I drop this motherfucker, he's going to go off for five points or something crazy. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I mean, and so it's it's crazy to rebuild through the draft. You have to. This is how you make cup-winning teams. You have to build through the draft. But I think Caps fans are very spoiled. And also, they haven't had – I mean, okay, we're looking at our first-round picks, which were like, what, 20s in the in the late 20s, right, at this point. Um, and th- we're upset with their performance. Imagine being a Devils fan and getting like – the for the first overall or like top 10 top five overall and then having them be like just busts or they just didn't work out this shit happens folks so you know the draft is crazy obviously there's draft is a crapshoot ladies and gentlemen that's what it is like you can think that you have the best player in the draft until the guy actually gets on the ice and starts performing i mean right you know alexander holtz who was our first um, you know, first round pick in 2020, sixth overall, you know, he has struggled to make a contribution to the NHL. He's been benched as a healthy scratch for good, solid six, seven games. And, you know, sometimes it's just guys, they just struggle once they get into the league, whether it's intimidation or just struggling to transition to the NHL game. And it's right. one of those things where you have to look at and you say, you better have a good development team. You better have a really good development team because good development teams are going to take guys that even if they're first round picks, they're going to turn them into really good players. And one of the things that I've said before is this. You look at guys like Washington, you look at guys like Pittsburgh and you say, how on earth do you get to have that much stability long term? Well, it's not just the top players that they have, the Crosbys, the Ovechkins, the Backstroms, the Malkin. It's not just that. It's also having guys in your system who can develop even young players who are successful as well. So here's a good example. He actually played for both the Capitals and the Penguins, and he's currently on the Capitals now. Connor Sheary is a really good example of this. Yep. Because Connor Sheary was not a top pick by Pittsburgh, not by a long shot. Right. But you know what? They developed the hell out of him to the point where he helped them win Stanley Cups and get a lot of money around the NHL. And he's even contributing very much to the Washington Capitals right now. Absolutely. So this is just an example of development. Vitek Vanacek was developed through the, you know, drafted, you know, developed in in, uh, in Hershey, got up to the NHL. He's just taking that regular steps to being a solid goaltender in the NHL. And now he's at the point where he can take over as a number one guy on a team. Yeah, obviously, it's not Washington, but still, like, this is what it happens. And, you know, with Jack Hughes and Nico, yeah, we would have liked them to blossom sooner and be once-in-a-generational players. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having guys that are at tremendous talents that are not at a once-in-a-generational talent either. Like, right. look at Colorado. They have Nathan McKinnon. That dude's a once-in-a-generation talent. There's no right. doubting that. But it took him about four years to get there, by the <laughs> exactly. way. Everybody thought he was a bust when he first came in the league. Sure. I mean, go back to the 17-18 season. Hello? We're the right. 16-17. I mean, how yeah. terrible were they? They were right. awful. Gabriel Landeskog's not a you know superstar player, but he's a very good player. Mika sure. Ranton is a great player, but he's not like, like... You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to have... Obviously, the great players, but you have to have also guys that you can develop that are workmanlike, that go in, find a role, and contribute to a winning cause. And that's what you're seeing in New Jersey. That's what you're seeing in some of these young teams as well. And that's what even you see from these old teams like Pittsburgh and Washington, that they are still able to find guys that can come in, understand their role, and do it at the best of their possibility. I mean, shoot, Carl Hagelin, he goes to Washington, kicking butt. I mean, yeah. uh, what was he? Uh, he uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He was on that 2018 Capitals Cup team, if I'm not mistaken, right? He was a trade deadline acquisition. Uh, no, Hags, Hags, we brought in, I think, right after, I want to say. Yeah, he missed the I Cup by was, a year. I, I, I thought swear he was he on the, the cup, cup team. But he was well, still no, he very, he's still a very good contributor to, to, the, to the Capitals. And then you have got, and then, like, look, 
Ovechkin is a once-in-a-generational talent. But here's the best example for the Washington Capitals. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Tom Wilson is the best example of a guy being developed correctly to being an all-around awesome hockey player. Because not only will he kick the shit out of you, because he will, (laughs) that's what he does, but he scores 20-plus goals a year. Right. You're talking about a guy that's main job is to kick the shit out of somebody, (laughs) but also he can back scoring a bunch. He's not just an enforcer that just goes on and just fights everybody and, and all that stuff. He can still go on the ice, play with Ovechkin, play with Backstrom, be on a power play, and score goals. Like, right. contribute like that. That's great development by the Capitals to develop a guy like that. So, you know, that's what Barry Trotz did. He took, you know, Tom Wilson and turned him into a beast to the right. point where Troll has a literal Jesus Tom Wilson thing <laughs> behind him. St. Thomas, baby. St. Thomas, uh, the patron saint of, of knuckle sandwiches, you know. Um, but, I mean, and that's the thing. And, you know, Tom, Willie's like a 20, 30 goal guy a year. And that is good in the NHL. I think that people also, you know, Caps fans, because, you know, we're so spoiled. We get like Ovi tapping in like 50 to 60. And you're like, oh, that's like what every, like that's the benchmark. 20 goals a year for him. Right, yeah, like the, getting that's like the forty-five right? is a bad year. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right, and that's ridiculous. So you know, it's it's interesting to see, and and you know, hey, I'm I can't hate New Jersey. I'm sure that if we ever meet in the playoffs, I will hate New Jersey for sure. But yeah. at the same yeah. time, like, um, it's it's great to see that finally, like, after all of the the picks and like you know the the transition of losing Broder and that kind of being, and then like watching that franchise really cling to that identity for like another like five, six years. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, like, you know, we had, you know, you had Marcus Johansson at this point, you had, you, you guys went on a heater and we're like looking for a playoff spot. And, and I was like, Whoa, like this is a completely different New Jersey team. I actually, kind of like it and then you know just mm-hmm. the style of hockey that you're playing and now you're you've gotten you've gone full facelift man and i mean and it's great to, it's great to see so yeah. i'm happy for you neil man it's this really good stuff but uh but yeah i mean do you have anything else for me i mean we're at an hour now i mean i'll say this i got a chance to to see the capitals rock in their reverse retros with the screaming black eagle and it, oh it looks even better on the ice like Doesn't i i looked at it when they showed it uh Ugh. and i did a reverse retro review with nate thomas we both agreed that this was an a plus yeah. you know job well done by the capitals and adidas and it's crazy to me that ovechkin has played long enough in the league where that is a reverse retro for him. And he wore that when he first got in the NHL. Like that's kind of like one of those, like, whoa, like that's crazy. And then (laughs) shout out Darcy Kemper with the absolute gorgeous, only the goalie, you know, setup. And I'm like, Olaf Cole. I mean, I was going to tweet at you troll and say, you got to get Kolzig back on the pod and ask him his opinion (laughs) on the whole setup for Kemper. Cause that was a, like, they did a, they did like um, a side by side where there's Ovechkin with the white hair during warmups wearing the screaming eagle, and then there's like 18 year old Ovechkin wearing the same damn jersey, and it's just like, damn, it looks like the only thing that changed is the fact that now his visor is black and not blue. Right. That's the only thing. <laughs> like, it's, it's hilarious to me that like he's been in the league that long, but also, what a gorgeous jersey. I mean, oh, I know. I hope that they wear it during one of the Devils games because I want to see it because that is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, dude. Um, so I'm not, as you know, probably I'm not. I'm not a big jersey guy. You know, I know like a lot of the guys around the network like they love the jersey thing. They have like crazy collections and like, hey, that's your thing. That's he's awesome. talking just about Nate Thomas, by the way, guys. That's <laughs> that's literally who he's talking about. So. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's so many guys that have like, I mean, even Berlansky back when he was on the. I mean, there's lots of people that collect um, jerseys, and yes. and that's great. But no, I'm gonna drop some serious money on on one of those. I just I need to figure out which number unfortunately and so the fucked up part is that i want to get either a backstrom or a wilson jersey but both those guys are on the shelf right now they they may not mm. ever skate in it um but i'm, I'm kind of leaning is it towards really backstrom. that bad with their injuries is it really that bad well wilson will probably be back 
um, in a, you know, Backstrom, I mean, it's an ACL, yeah. but Backstrom, you know, that's a, he's got an injury that's really, um, you know, not a lot yeah. of professional athletes period come back from that hip resurfacing, um, procedure nope. from what he's, I under, I mean, he's not Bo Jackson. That's for sure. Right. I mean, and the, I'm guessing the thing is that like, they've got to like basically open you up, tear through all your muscles and then fucking like rip right. your leg apart. Uh, it's, it's tough. Basically. He's been on the ice. Um, he's been skating, obviously not full speed or with contact or even with the team at large. Um, same with Willie. Willie's an ACL. He's, he's somewhat young. I think that he can bounce back from an ACL. No problem. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, backy, I, I fret to think about what this team's like without a Nicholas Baxter, man. It's brutal. Um, so, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I appreciate the props. I agree. The Kemper, Kemper, it, it's crazy because I just recorded the Monday episode, uh, right before we, we did this one. And like, uh, yeah, I just, I was just stroking the, the reverse retros and giving like extra props to Kemper with the, with the helmet and the gold pads. I mean, fucking yes. chef's kiss. I think I think honestly the Caps got to rebrand and go back uh, to that whole to to that whole uniform because I mean look they've worked they've rocked the same ones for a long time yeah. and they obviously want a cup in them so it's you know it's gonna be there but you know sometimes you got to give the fans what they want man and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you did like a fan poll for Caps fans that they would be like yeah man let's go back to like a full rebrand of that and I'd be like. Can you imagine what a white one of those jerseys looks like? Or even better, if you get like a gold version of that, like right. what that might actually look like, it might oh, look gold. sick, honestly. I never even thought about gold. But yeah, I mean, I keep looking up this way because um, I do have a poster from <laughs> o- 02, 03. We had Yager on the team and some, you know, yeah. uh, uh, fucking even Jeff Halpern's on here. Um <laughs> I mean, this is back when Gonchar was on the team in two. Uh, oh, yes. And, you know, I look at it and I'm like, man, they this uh, the, and this was when they were white with the Screaming Eagle. And then they're right. They're dark ones were the Capitol building. And I remember thinking like when I was like an angsty teen, when this was like going down, I was like, oh, these jerseys suck. Like, God, we have the worst logo. And then now that I'm an adult, I'm like, man, those fucking jerseys are tight. I, why did I ever think that yeah. they sucked? So, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped to, yeah, uh, to see or to, to get one, wear it around. Um, you know, the, the stream, the stream viewers will definitely get a peek at it, but, um, Hey man, it was, it was awesome talking to you. Like let everyone know like what you're doing, where they can, where they can find you. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, first again, troll, thank you so much for having me on the pod, man. It's, it's great to be back on this one. I love, you know, this is one of the OG podcasts, one of the, you know, Trolls, one of the first guys. I think he literally might have been the first guy that said hi to me on Slack, basically like saying like, hey, welcome to the network. Um, I don't like you because I don't like the devils right now. Like that. It was like something like that. It was something like that type. Of, I was like, oh, sick. That's a good way to start. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out the Devil State of my podcast, we have new episodes out every Monday and Thursday. So, you know, uh, a new episode will already been out. We recapped uh, the Western Canada road trip, going for the clean sweep, which is exactly what we did. Um, covered a bunch of other things on there. Again, new episodes Mondays and Thursdays, wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple and or Spotify. Same thing for my boy Troy, Troll here on Caps Chirp. Please tell him, please tell him that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you as well. That goes a long way in helping both of us out. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Devil State, Instagram at Devil State of Mind. And I know that Facebook is very, um, you know, opinions, but if you want to give us a like on Facebook as well, uh, we have a Facebook page also. And uh, as far as my personal stuff, you can follow my personal Twitter at The NVP Show. So that's NVP, not M, but NVP. Those are my initials, The NVP Show on Twitter and also on Instagram at NVP QB 11. I've uh, been writing a bunch of books. I've actually been also writing some hockey articles, uh, talking to, to uh, some sports agencies at the moment. So we'll Ooh. see where uh, things go with that. And uh, also I'm talking to a certain uh, baseball team in Minnesota at the moment. So we will see where things go with all of that. But 
Devil State of Mind, New Jersey Devils. That is my main place where you can find me. And uh, you don't be afraid to hit a DM or just hit me up on there. Always love talking to everybody. And I say this all the time. The podcast is for for the fans by a fan. So make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, Devil's State of Mind, new episodes every Monday and Thursday. And again, Troll, this was a fucking blast, man. Thank you so much for having me on. And dude, you're definitely coming on uh, Devil's State of Mind podcast. A little bit closer to when we... Uh, when the Devils and Cavs face off, and uh, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll have a, we'll have we'll have fun on there as well, man. But thank you so much for having me on today. Of course, always, always, and so glad to hear you're fucking killing it, man. So you know, look out, look out for for old Neil here. He might be somebody in, in the future, you know, other than also just, Mitchell you know, Miller was just uh, released from his contract from Boston. So good on the Bruins for oh yeah, not being total fucking idiots. <laughs> I mean, I just, and I love how. And by the way, I just want to say this because I didn't get a chance to say it. On my podcast, I'll say it here. Yeah. Um, the Bruins have to be one of the most like dumbass teams of it's all stupid. time up there with the Brooklyn Nets organization for just like not giving a crap about society right. or human humans at all. <laughs> and th- this is the Bruins we're talking about, the standard of the NHL. Right. That just gave David Pasternak another reason to get the hell out of there. And uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, David Pasternak will be a New Jersey Devil in by by this time next year so just, just keep just make sure you know that so you know when, when i come back on here next season oh you heard it here first folks yeah and absolutely we covered that on monday um and and you know batman already said like yo this this is a dead cat i don't know why you're why you keep trying to hit it and like um i'm glad that it got shut down it just total head scratching move by a team that's really dominant in their division right now. I just, it's fucking stupid. Like one of the dumbest it's one of those things where embarrassing. you hope, well, at least if you're a Bruins fans, you're hoping it doesn't affect the team. Like right. it doesn't screw up their, you know, momentum because they have been really good up until yeah. this point. And uh, the Bruins team is not happy with this. Like the players yeah. are pissed. Oh, I know. Bergey so. came out and was like, you know, this is bullshit. Like he had to be uh, a little bit diplomatic about it, obviously. And, and, but yeah, he was not happy. So, um, well, that's some good news to, to, to cap it off here again, Neil, thanks a lot for coming on caps fans. Uh, really hope you guys liked it again. Give Neil a follow wherever on all of his multiple social medias. It's definitely worth it. Um, and until next time it's, uh, me, the hockey troll and Neil signing off. Hey Caps fans, thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp Podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network, at HockeyPodNet on social, and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.